Hello, 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 and welcome to the Anti-Racist Enneagram Podcast with Jessica Denise Dixon, where we look at life and healing at the intersections of the Enneagram, anti-racism, and embodiment for personal and collective liberation. Let's go. Not trying to get by. Trying to get by. I'm trying to get free. Hey, hey, hey. So in this episode, we're talking about shame. Everyone's favorite topic above consent. <laughs> it is one of those things we don't we don't talk about shame. We try to avoid it. Um, one of the more recent lessons that I was doing for my clients is around shame and the ways that we embody it. And I had some thoughts that I wanted to share with you. Now let's talk about shame. Because shame is a tool that whiteness uses to make sure that we never change anything, that the status quo stays the same. It is a sense of worthlessness um, that kind of weighs on us. The feeling that maybe we're disgraced, that we're out of favor, favor, you know, even it can come with the feeling that we shouldn't exist. Again, it's wielded by whiteness to stop people from questioning And in this society, we often don't have the tools to move through shame because if we knew how to move through shame, there would be a lot less dehumanization. We'd actually see one another um, for who we really are in the fullness of our, in our humanity, in the beauty of our humanity. So often when we feel shame, we can turn inward. We can sometimes become really unkind to ourselves and we can internalize that there's something wrong with us. Rather than there was something that we did and it just didn't really work in the time, in the space, it was inappropriate. We didn't made a mistake. We internalize that something is wrong with us. So we have to learn actually to move through shame, acknowledging it as an experience, as an emotion maybe, rather than who we are. No emotion is who we are. So we may feel shame because of an experience with another person. Um, because of a situation that embarrassed us. We may also, because of our Enneagram types, default patterning. You know, each of us have kind of our own things that we feel, you know, ashamed around. A type one sometimes feels shame when they make mistakes. Type twos might feel shame when they want to be helpful and someone says no. Type threes might feel shame when they feel like they failed. A type four might feel shame well, all the time, but that's, that's just an Enneagram joke. That's just an Enneagram joke. Fours, don't come for me. I'm just messing with you. (laughs) But they might feel shame if they feel conscious about the impression that they've made around someone or how they're being perceived. A type five might feel shame if someone asks them a question and they don't know the answer to it. A type six might feel shame if they don't feel like they're adequate enough to prevent bad things from happening. A type seven might feel and avoid shame, um, you know, from feeling grief or, or anger. A type eight might feel shame from the sense that they feel like others are perceiving them as weak and they feel maybe like they are weaker than their ego structure would give them space to um, 
imagine for themselves. The type nine might feel shame if they feel like they've disrupted someone else's peace or they've made too big a deal of themselves. You know, we also might feel shame because of unresolved trauma. But shame is not an identity. Experiencing shame is often a sign that we have some sort of self-consciousness, meaning we're aware of ourselves and we want to be perceived in a, sp in a specific way, which isn't a bad thing. Um, it can be a sign of others' consciousness as well, depending on the situation, right? It's an emotion or an experience. It lives in our body. It lives in our nervous system. You know, I often find that when people are deconstructing from old harmful religious teachings, part of the work of re is restructuring their understanding of what actually is shameful versus what has they've been taught that they should be ashamed of. And I get all the time people say like, I've never said that to anyone. I feel like I can share that with you. And I'm like, it's because I understand that we're human, that we have the capacity to do really amazing, beautiful things, but also the capacity to do, to do really ugly things. And when we learn to move through shame, that is what changes us. That is what allows us to integrate the lessons instead of having to stuff down um, shame or be hidden or make ourselves small. And one of the reasons that anti-racism work is important to our human experience in general is because one of the main ways that um, shame is, is talked about regarding embodiment is through blushing. So blushing is when the cheeks get red with embarrassment. You know, it's a visible display of shame and visible displays of shame are often said to link us and actually make us feel connected to one another. If I can tell that someone is embarrassed, maybe I have compassion for them. If I can tell that someone is ashamed, then I know that they care about the world. But we have to really look at what the implications of this as the main cue of shame is. Because it's not the only cue that there is, but it's talked about often as the main cue. People with darker skin may not have that nice red rosy cheeks. They may actually get darker or you might not see any um, perceptible change at all. I often actually tell people when I'm blushing, because you have to really squint to see the pink arise in my cheeks. But if whiteness is looked at as the dominant or default body, and what white people do is looked at as the default, then it's going to be um, what we consider natural to look for those exact same cues in another body and maybe not find them because of a darker skin color. And if you don't find these overt signs of shame, how might you actually start to perceive people who have darker skin as shameless? And if you don't see people, these people who quote, don't blush, if you don't see them as capable of expressing shame, then you start to see them as being worthy of being dehumanized. In embodied cultures, we're not just tracking 
someone's blushing, we're actually tracking our nervous systems and the nervous systems of people around us very naturally. There's a rhythm that we're in and we feel other people. And the capitalistic culture that we're in has forced us to disembody, which means in a culture like this, tracking something like blushing is simple because it's visible, but it's not the only thing associated with shame. There are you know, flee responses and freeze responses that we often do when we feel shame. There are other things and other things that we can get curious about. But if that's what we're tracking, that's what's at face value, then you will by default skew toward seeing whiteness and white people as more pure and more innocent because they blush. They blush, which means that they're embarrassed. They're blush, they blush, which means that they're more human. But if you're not looking and seeing that there are other signs of shame, then it's gonna be easier for you to not register those other cues within people who have darker skin, which means that people who have darker skin are going to be viewed differently and potentially as less human. So we have to do the work around this because it's not gonna happen on its own. <laughs> it's not gonna happen on its own. It has to happen with attention. We have to get curious about how and why we view people the ways that we do and the subtle ways. When we talk about implicit bias, this is one little thing that shows up for us, right? One little thing, how might, if I see blushing as the sign, as the predominant sign of shame, of embarrassment, and of people being human, how might, if I can't pick that out in someone who has darker skin, lead to me seeing them as less human? We have to get curious about these things. And we have to reclaim our bodies and do the necessary nervous system work. We have to choose people, we have to choose to see people as human despite socialization into whiteness. And we have to choose, we get to choose to restructure our relationship to same to shame. And we do that by choosing to be on this healing journey. Now, what I'm not saying is to jump into events where you get rejected or you're feeling shame all the time. What I am speaking to though is the, is, is the beautiful work of integrating the fact, the very fact that we are already whole. If we understand that we are already whole, we don't have to avoid shame and we don't have to get stuck in shame. We can actually look and see like, what was the thing that I was embarrassed about? What was I ashamed of? And we can use that information to make a different decision to move forward and to move on, to learn the lessons from the shame without internalizing that we are bad, that something is wrong with us, without internalizing that that thing has taken parts of our wholeness away because it never could. It never could. So what's your relationship to shame? Have you ever thought about these things before? Um, I, of course, always love to continue the conversation. So head over to the Anti-Racist Enneagram on Instagram and let me know your thoughts. From love and for liberation, let's dismantle this unhealthy relationship to shame. I'm not trying to get
Goodbye.